Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, a few announcements, a few things, especially because of the subject of today's podcast, and if you're, like, listening to this sometime in the future, and all the Hollywood stuff has ended, you'll, uh, you'll understand after this announcement what I'm babbling about right now. But first thing first, if you want to listen to more of this podcast, I encourage you to, of course. It helps me out as the host and creator and, you know, maker of the show. But also, you can listen to the previous episode in the feed, which is all about a little game called Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, which is um, all about... We are all about that game, and that game is a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio Future, the, you know, house, the rhythm and blues house and techno, hip-hop, graffiti, super-powered roller skating game from the early aughts. But, in any event, um, I'm sorry, it, if I take periodic pauses, it's because I'm drinking liquids because it is super hot at the time of this recording, um, especially in my studio. And the constant buzz you hear is my little air conditioner doing its best to cool it the hell down in here. Um, it's not there yet, but by the time we finish, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, on that note, if you don't want to listen to this episode, I totally understand. I know that's a weird thing, considering I just told you to listen to the podcast, but we will be covering, I will be talking about the live action One Piece, and the reason why that sticks out as an oddity is because it is not made by, but produced by Netflix, and what I mean there is, like, obviously people made it, and there's a very big distinction, obviously people made the thing. But it was produced and it is owned by Netflix, who is part of the studio system at this point. And currently, the Hollywood strikes are still going on. It's still, it's, um, August 6th, it's September 6th, 2023, at the time of this recording. They're still going on, and the whole policy about watching struck work and talking about struck work... Everybody is talking about this thing. A, that's why I want to talk about it, because I want to talk... I want to use this... I want to use what we're talking about today to talk about a bigger thing in general. But, um... Basically, if you don't want to listen to this, I have an alternate podcast for you that I didn't make, but that the folks over at Friends of the Table have made, which is a watch-along podcast for Hunter x Hunter. And... Hunter x Hunter is 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 phenomenal, y'all. If you haven't seen it, you can listen to my episode on Hunter x Hunter in the podcast feed in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. But you can also watch do a watch along with them and listen to it. I believe three episodes at a time every other Tuesday. It, the first one came out yesterday at the time of recording this. Once again, this is Wednesday. I'm recording this on Wednesday, September sixth, twenty twenty three. So. Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, the first episode came out, covering the first three episodes. The next three episodes, meaning four through six, um, will be covered in two weeks from in two weeks' time, basically. But definitely go check that out. I think it's really cool. I think it's great that they got a ton of support to be able to do that. I love I love the whole thing they do there. But um, in any event, so if you don't want to listen to this, you can certainly go listen to that, or you can Take your pick from plenty of episodes on this feed right now. But what we'll be talking about, if I haven't already worriedly mentioned it, is the live-action One Piece. So, let's stop wasting time and get into it. Anime Considered Box 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So if you don't know, I, the history of live-action anime adaptations is... Rocky, both in the moment and after the fact, and after the fact, and in the moment, if you, it, which will make sense in a second. Probably the most successful live-action adaptation of an anime property before this is the Wachowski Brothers' um, addition to the pantheon of live act of American live-action anime. Property, which is Speed Racer. Anybody knows what Towski Brothers knows what Towski Brothers are all the way into fucking anime. The Ghost, Ghost in the Shell is responsible for in many for in whole parts of the Matrix series. Whole concepts in the Matrix series are just full sail lifted from Ghost in the Shell. And if you know anything about um about those uh, about about that you know that the Wachowski brothers have always been into anime and or the Wachowski sisters sorry have always been into anime and they they eventually did go on to make I believe in like the early 2000s the early 2000s actually um or the mid 2000s maybe like the early let's call it the early aughts they made um the live-action Speed Racer, which at the time, when that, move, when that film came out, people thought it was psychotic. People thought it was insane. And then, like, not immediately, but pretty close to it, like, pretty quickly, people just started to... How should I put this? They started to turn on that thing real hard. They started to all of a sudden realized, like, oh, no, this, they got it right. They got this shit all the way right. Did they change tiny things? Did they change things? Yes, both big and small. But the, like, heart of the thing is pretty, it was pretty accurate. And it created, like, what it felt like, what it probably felt like to be a live-action Speed Racer thing. Since then, we have had... um, a, a bunch of stuff. We've had... And, and much of it, not great. We've had the live-action Cowboy Bebop, which was unfortunate. We've had the live-action Ghost in the Shell, also unfortunate. We've also had... A, ma- a manga adaptation from a manga called All You Need Is Kill that was um, that is now called Live, Die, Repeat but it was called something else and it was a adaptation with Tom Cruise in it we also had Battle Angel Alita if you were ranking the kind of like nailed it factor you'd probably go in my mind at least you'd probably go Battle Angel Alita Speed Racer, One Piece. And then forget about the rest of the list, because the rest of the list is a little bit of a nightmare. But, and people were starting to suspect that the One Piece live action was going, was, going, was possibly not very good. And, spoiler alert, I think it's I think it's actually pretty excellent. I think whether they can keep that up is a factor of how much will, of how much everybody's willing to commit to their given characters, meaning the like now, and this is one of the rare cases where you have a actually not one of the rare cases, but one of the cases where you have a 
protagonist who, yes, goes through some shit, but isn't as... doesn't have quite the arc that many of the other characters have. And in, and in this... in this first season, because the uh, episodes are... we got, I think... we got eight hour-long episodes. In those eight-hour-long episodes, we go from... Luffy burst out of the barrel on Alvita's ship, straight up, to the end of Arlong Park. So we basically cover the entire East Blue in eight episodes, over an hour. And it's done pretty efficiently. They, they don't miss anything. Everything that was, they kind of needed to get right, they get right. And one of the things that's one of the things that's so hard to do with these with these adaptations is the balance of what you can ignore and what you can't ignore. So I went I went back because I because I was genuinely curious, and I, I I knew a lot that they got rid of and changed entirely. The stuff was buggy, like the 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 like shenanigans that you go through with buggy are totally different. You don't get the buggy bomb. There's not a thing that's there. You get Buggy, but he's used in a different capacity. And you get you get things like you get Don Krieg, but Don Krieg is dealt with um not off screen, but he's dealt with not only not by Lucy Luffy, because I'm pretty sure that um Don Krieg was already pretty I forget how Don Creek exactly fell, but he, um, in, in both, um, scenarios, he was mostly dealt with by, um, Mihawk. But you get Mihawk. It's just, it's a different, everything, stuff is slightly, slightly or majorly shifted to make it fit better for the time they have, but they're still keeping in like the major moments like when Mihawk slices Zoro lengthwise across like from like shoulder to hip that's still in that scene is still in there you know when uh, the the battle axe kick from Luffy that brings down um, Arlong Park is still in there they, what they did in the show, and what they, what I think that something like the Ghost in the Shell re- really attempted to, but couldn't stick the landing on, the Ghost in the Shell live action, that is, is they took all the iconic moments, and they made sure they had that stuff in there. But everything else around it could be moved and scooched to make it feel less to, to make it its own adaptation and, like, adhere to a little bit more of a reality, but not be outside of the true heart and spirit of the thing. This... This pirate crew, this straw hat crew, feels like they will fight the government. In fact, they do fight the government, essentially. The biggest... And by the way, spoiler alert for this whole damn thing. I haven't really said anything super spoilery yet. Like, but spoiler for the whole damn... It's eight eight hours. You can go watch it. But, um... The... Whole thing... Is slightly reworked at all points to make sure that... A, they can fit everything into the eight episodes... B, they give you meaningful character development along the way with each character. And C, that it, it works as its own thing. Because the thing that something like Ghost, that the Ghost in the Shell adaptation forgets, but is that you need to not be an aficionado of this thing in order in order to be able to enjoy it because the thing that 
Even anime forgets. You're gonna have a slightly, you gotta have a much larger audience that's gonna need to buy in at some point. So a great example of an anime just kind, not necessarily forgetting it, but not telling you stuff, but telling you, but also telling you something is there's a scene in the, I think it's episode five of Paradise Kiss, and you meet a character, a, a like almost. An inc- not even a side character, an incidental character, uh, incidental character in Paradise Kiss, who straight up like almost takes the camera, focuses on himself, and says, "You don't know who I am, but I'm important. You want to know who I am? Go read neighborhood stories." And what that character basically tells tells you is. Hey, dumbass, for the most part, every I, everything that Ayazawa has ever written has existed in the same universe. So you look at um, Neighborhood Stories, which was her first breakout thing that got an anime, from what I understand. Um, that takes place in Tokyo. And then Paradise Kiss takes place in Tokyo, like, decades after. And the main character of, um, and I'm doing this for a reason, I promise. The main character of Neighborhood Stories, Mikako, is a side character in Paradise Kiss, and she's because she's the older sister of a supporting cast member, Miwako. And then you like, and Miwako is like a, it's like a part-time model for her sister's closing company that and that closing company actually um that whole Paradise Kiss inspired the look that people now know as Goth Lolita but you and then you go even further than that and you see billboards for Happy Berry the um the fashion label that Mikako runs that she's that she's starting it that Mikako's runs in Paradise Kiss but it's starting in neighborhood stories, you see billboards for that clothing line in, um, what's it called? In, in Nana. The, and Nana is actually, like, um, many people consider to be, um, Ayodala's, like, labor of love, like, that thing's basically a love letter to, um, punk rock and fashion and like punk rock and punk rock and like British punk rock fashion kind of thing but so much of any adaptation of media needs to be for the broadest possible audience and what and what and what um what that character I think his name is Koenji or something um, does in Paradise Kiss when he just like grabs it when the show is basically like we're gonna ignore the rest of the show, what's happening in the show for a minute to focus on him. What he's doing is he's saying, "Hey, I'm not important to you, but if you want to know what's up with me, if you want to know why this character knows who the fuck I am, here's a way in." And like if. It, because if they didn't have that, you would never know because of the way the story is written. But what so many live-action adaptations do is they don't explain. They, they, they don't do that thing where they explicitly explain that stuff, or they don't... Or they put it in, and they just... Oh, they put it in, and it becomes almost like a clip show. If you look at something like Ghost in the Shell, Ghost in the Shell is less a. Ghost in the Shell is barely a coherent story, <laughs> the live action one. It's more of a like reconceived of this story so it could be a clip show of the ooh I like that scenes from the original from the animated property, and case in point, they have like, a character who's supposed to be, um, from Second Gig, the, the main antagonist from Second Gig. They have, they have the tank, they have the ripping, 
they have they're trying to open the hatch of the spider tank scene. That's in a lot of that's in most Ghost in the Shell things. That's a staple Ghost in the Shell classic scene thing. But still, they have that. They have all of these bits and pieces that are from all these different parts of Ghost in the Shell. And you read anything about the making of that film, and you realize like, oh. They really knew they were only going to get this one. So they were, like, they were packing it in, like, hard and fast and tight as humanly possible so they could get the most, like, this scene now exists in live action and animation. Now, one of the things that I bet drive people nuts is this has been happening an awful like adaptations like this are not uncommon because comic book adaptations are a plenty right now especially superhero comic adaptations you know Iron Man is now like Iron Man went from being a thing that like I watched when I was a kid that was really weird and obscure to being like a name that puts butts in seats and everybody always wonders, like, why does that, why do those things adapt so well and these things adapt so, have such trouble being adapted? And this is, by the way, this is not, this is not a case of any American of an American at fault here. There are plenty of bad, weird, upsetting, I mean plenty, um, live-action anime adaptations from Japan. There's a JoJo's Diamond is Unbreakable adaptation that is super weird. I watched it on a plane once. There is a really recent, like, really, like, up, like, right when... To the point at which the live action, at which the animated show is, Zom 100 adaptation. If you've ever seen um, Josie's Tyler and the Fish, there are several versions of that film, most of which are live action. And something like Josie's Tyler and the Fish, it's not, it's not, um, it's not bad because that that is a very specific story kind of thing. But there's something there's something that there's a vibe that that an, that animation as a medium can be used to produce in the way in a way that's much, much, much harder to produce in um in live action. So like and one of the things that people are most worried with about um One Piece is that it wouldn't have the same vibe vibes as the as the like as One Piece the manga or the anime. But especially the anime. And there's some moments where it's a little weird, but for the most part, they managed to, like, like get that vibe in there, like, bottle that vibe and, like, reproduce it in a way that's pretty impressive. Uh, and, the bi- and this comes down to the biggest reason that everybody was really worried about the live-action One Piece in the first place, is that live-action One Piece, um, One Piece, more than any other anime or manga, is essentially a Looney Tunes show. Like, the main character is just a cartoon character. And I bought, so, the, like, Gear 5 Luffy episodes are, I believe, probably still going on. But, because it's one piece and it takes forever. But, the stuff that, um, the stuff that's... The, the stuff in, in the Gear 5 Luffy thing are... It's a sense, like, you watch the animation for that, and that's old-school Looney Tunes shit. That's goofy cartoon fun shenanigans. That is 
but that because that is like the, if you think about the pinnacle of like what Luffy is. I One Piece is a good thing. Like what like it, One Piece is a good thing that it's so long that it becomes too much of a good thing and you got to give it up sometimes or you become possessed by possessed by the urge and you just watch One Piece. Um not just watch One Piece, but you like watch it as if like you have a, as if you will never stop. But um I watched um I watched I watched a couple episodes to see how they did things differently. Like for example, in the in the very end of the show, they um Kobe walk like delivers Luffy his wanted poster. His his original first wanted poster. In the One Piece anime, they give a whole episode to that to that one scene where it's all about like this is the highest this is the highest initial bounty ever not just the highest in East Blue but the highest in the history in the history of the Navy issuing bounties like this is a huge fucking deal and they and like like they have a scene that that is like the Navy officers who set the bounty to feel like this is why we're setting this like you get touch you get touchbacks with all these other characters of like yo hey Luffy made it he's got his first wanted poster check it out and the and then the I think the episode ends with Nami get with Nami having got having gotten a newspaper or it's either at the end of the beginning Nami gets the newspaper and his and his want and a copy of his wanted poster is included in the newspaper, and they're just like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> this rules!" And they have like a shot of it in the Baratier, and they do this in the show, but it's like a, it's like an after the fact thing. But they have a shot of it in the Baratier posted on like the main when you walk in. It's just a picture of Luffy. They have a shot of it on in, in different scenarios of like, oh, like Luffy's a, a deal now. But the and and they kind of kept that vibe. But I ended. But what I ended up doing that is doing after that is I ended up kind of just allowing myself to be rickrolled into watching um, um, Logtown into watching like the whole Logtown shit and go and Luffy's goofy as fuck in that shit. Like he is. A goofy little rubber boy for a, for a significant amount of time in that show, and um, Inukai Godi, the live action actor who plays Luffy, did did a really did a pretty good job of being just kind of like goofy, just kind of being like endlessly positive and goofy and. But like determined and matter of fact in a way that like no human being should be, and he there is a thing just the mannerism because because of the like physicality of what Luffy is, which is a devil fruit, which is a devil fruit power user who is whose body is made of rubber he Luffy is it's like he's like a 1930s cartoon character it's hilarious but that means that like a real person couldn't be that and that's then once what I was talking about when I said animation has a ability to create a vibe that it that people would struggle with creating in live action and why so often in things like Harry Potter you have whole characters who all they are is a, is a lot is the voice acting of a actual person in a green in a green suit being mapped over with a character who is like Dobby from Harry Potter or any number or like headless or nearly headless Nick or any other of the, um, you know, different 
CGI characters in movies. But they didn't want to do that with this because... And I think that they didn't want to do that with this, and they didn't want to do that with a live-action Cowboy Bebop either. Probably because... People have a really negative reaction to that kind of shit in um, things like Disney movies. Because, like, The Little Mermaid and... uh, Or even, actually, the most aggressive one is The Lion King. Lion King is... Lion King live-action, not live-action. It's a cartoon. It's straight-up a cartoon. It is a 3D CGI cartoon. There's not a real animal... There may be real animals, like in the backgrounds or something like that, but all the animals you, you encounter who talk and act are straight up... They're produced by a computer, but they're cartoon characters. And... The... That cartoon character quality is leaned on heavily in this show like that this show feels like a show where anvils can fall on people's heads and in fact Buggy is probably like one of the most cartoon-esque cartoon characters because he's just he's very largely a comic relief character throughout the show I like he has serious moments and serious things to add to the plot but he's he's just kind of like a goofy fucking character. You encounter him again in Log in Logtown, and he's just a goofball. He's a lovable fuck up goofball murder clown. And first off, the um character who plays Buggy is um it, Jeff Ward is phenomenal at it. He just he is phenomenal at it. He play he plays like. And this is true of all of the characters. This is true of um, Jacob Romero, who plays Usopp. This is true of Emily Rudd, who is not related to Paul Rudd. I was surprised. But, like, you you search Emily Rudd, Paul Rudd, and straight up, like, the, the internet like, nope. You would think, but no. Um, but anyway, Emily Rudd does this with Nami. A, Sanji does this really well with, um, uh, or what's his face? Um, Taz Skyler does this really well with Sanji, too. Um, and even Craig, Craig Freebass, the, um, actor who plays Chef Zeff or Red Leg, or Red Leg Zeff, does it pretty well with, um, with, um, Zeff. And, Boy, oh boy! And I was worried. I like the thing that got me worried was when they was when everybody started circulating pictures about live action Arlong. I was like, ooh, ooh, that was always going to be a heavy lift. But ooh, but um, McKinley Bar- Belcher the third plays Arlong, and he just kind of fucking nails it to the wall. He he is exactly what you want out of an Arlong. And they do some shots that make it feel like Arlong's just a big-ass motherfucker. Um, but... Through all that stuff, they managed to give you... The, are they the exact character? No. But also, they, they, they can't be. Like... Usopp's, Usopp's nose is not possible for humanity. So that that was like Usopp was already gonna be an uphill fight, but if you watch Usopp or you watch Luffy or you watch Nami or you watch any of the characters that we all know and love, then you'll you'll see what's at their core before long, and I think what went so right with this show, what made it so. What made the show so much more successful than its nearest counterpart, the live-action Cowboy Bebop, which is a train wreck, is that it gets to the core of all the things that the original does. And it does them all really well. Like, they... 
So our so in in the original show, if, uh, which if you're listening, to this, you've probably already seen it. But in the original show, Arlong is a fucking racist asshole. He's racist towards humans. That is full on what it is. But also, he everybody like. Fishmen, by and large, are very insular because humanity has been kind of assholes to them for a long time. And what the show and McKinley, Belcher III, chose to do with this was they chose to just, like, what does that mean? Like, like why? What does that mean? And, like, there's all these lines about, like, Oh yeah, you like Fishman just fine when they're do when they're picking up your dry cleaning or something or like fucked up like fucked up shit that we have comparisons for in the idea of like black people in the South in the early eras of the country. Like I, the thing that this show the thing that this show does that's late that make it one piece it's that they have the reality of the situation nailed they have the reality of Co- of Coco Village down pat that like the Baratier is exactly what is not what you would expect based on what they based on what you see although I watched part of the Baratier thing and like you see that you see the Baratier as a thing, and you see it inside, and you're like, "That wait, that inside doesn't fit into that outside." I'm pretty sure, but I, it all like it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It all tracks. It all, it all like, it all hangs with itself. It hangs with itself with a confidence of saying like, "Oh." We're nailing the One Piece stuff, but this is also its own thing. And I think that's what lots of live-action stuff forgets completely, that it has to also be its own thing. It ha- like, you could give this to somebody who'd never heard of One Piece and say, watch this. And they'd come away and they'd be like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty all right, that's pretty cool. And... Then when you say, like, this is what it came from, like, oh, okay. That's... Those things... Those things are definitely... One thing came from the other thing, but they are definitely different things. And... There is some Uncanny Valley stuff. Um, surprisingly, not that bad with Buggy. Although Buggy spends a period of this time with just a floating fucking head, which is hilarious. Um... But the, but there's definitely some Uncanny Valley stuff with Luffy and the Gum Gum stuff, but it's not that bad. And actually, it's even it's even better because it's they shoot his attacks much like almost like they shoot his attacks in the original anime, and that seems to take care of a lot of the weird Uncanny Valley nightmare stuff. Because real him is ne- is never exactly close enough to the fake computer generated him for you to like pick up on it, kind of thing. But if I had if I had a big worry for this show, it would be their handling of the stuff to come because the thing. The thing that Shonen do, that Shonen, especially Shonen Jump properties do, is that they are always it's that they're always piling on top more and more power sets. You look at any Shonen property, this is what you'll see. You'll see more and more really intense, super powered shit. Like um, something like uh, Demon Slayer, for example. At the start of Demon Slayer, it's just kind of like sword shit. But by the time we're at in Demon Slayer currently, it's like a whip blade. It's like weird mist powers, freaking a fire sword, a water sword, like lightning shit. I, 
my point here is, is that the longer you spend in the story of One Piece in live action, the more effect-heavy powers show up. And that's, um, that escalates all but immediately, because right after the, um, right after all the, um, all the blue, the East Blue is, um, the mountain thing, and then you get to Logtown, and who's on Logtown, and they already showed him in, like, the, like, ends, in, like, the last scene of the eighth episode, it's just Smoker. You have to contend with a man who's made of smoke. It's not great. It's going to be a little weird. There's no way it's not. But they pulled off bug. But they pulled off Buggy, Arlong, and Arlong's crew, with the except. And they removed um, the octopus samurai guy from Arlong's crew, and they did something different. But um. The long and short of it is, there's going to be a continued escalation of things that would be necessary to do in CGI as the show goes on. Which is why I think that it's really great. They spent a lot of time making physical things for this show. The, the ships that you see in the show are real things. Like, they built the Baradier. They just built that shit. It rules. They built a big open fish mouth fucking floating restaurant and it rules. It may not be a restaurant inside. It may just, that just may be the exterior they built, but they still built the damn thing. They built, like, a lot, if not all, of the Sunny. Of, of, of the Mary, rather, not the Sunny, the, the Mary, of the Going Mary. And it's, it's just like, it's in, and like, the show opens up, and you, the first, the first kind of antagonist you meet that Luffy beats is Albita, and instead of having a big, um, fuck off mace, she's got this duck mace. That's, like, clearly this constructed thing. It's got, like, ruby eyes and, like, uh, like spikes mohawk. And, the, and that's, like, the mace part. And it's just... It's a great physical prop. They made... Somehow they made Usopp's green... Like, lime green slingshot. And it ruled. I, I thought to myself... And I think I um, posted this on um, threads. I have never wanted a, an actor to keep a prop more than I want Jacob Romero to keep Usopp's slingshot. Because that thing owns. Like, just the fact that they made it is great. And it's just... This is a great first outing for this show. This is a great first eight episodes. Like... Proof that, proof that they can do it... And everybody, all the reviews of it, including mine, are like, wow, they pulled it off. Wow, this doesn't suck. This isn't, like, this isn't as weird as it could have been. And they included, they included all these characters. And they, got, and they nailed them pretty much to the wall. Like, um... Aiden Scott plays Helmeppo, the, um, and they have, they have, um, what's his face, um, the, um, the act, they have Actan Morgan in it, and, like, Helmeppo, and you get to, and you see, in the same way that you see in the show, Helmeppo's kind of, like, arc from being a shithead to, like, being, like, beginning to be an okay person. <laughs> um... And you see, um, what's his face is, um, uh, oh, what's his face? The, the kid that Luffy meets, first thing, um, 
you, you see Kobe's arc as well, and you, you get, like... And maybe this is a this is an advantage of One Piece in that it's a very hard on sleeve property and show, but like you get the feeling that people that the people who made this really watched, studied, and understood and made use of the access they had to um, the creator of the original property, and you know Oda has been all over the like publicity stunts for this thing. Most probably because he's not a um, not a a um, a union member. <laughs> Although I'm a little surprised, I'd be a little surprised if he didn't have a card from somebody by now. But the so they they had his approval the entire time, and they went to him and they were like, you know, here's this, here's that. How does this feel? How does this look? Is this okay? And he had an approval process over it. Where if you look at um, Ghost in the Shell or any other live action thing, and that approval process wasn't there, clearly. Um, What's his face? The um, director of Cowboy Bebop, the original. Um, So Chiro Watanabe is, like, just kind of disgusted by the original Cowboy Bebop. But not by the original, but by the live action one. He like there's a quote from him that says, "I watched the opening and they made something, but that's not that is in no way Cowboy Bebop." <laughs> and I think by like taking it slow, being very deliberate, they managed to capture the heart of the thing because there was just some stuff they would never get, they would never be able to nail perfectly. But they nailed enough of it really well where they produced a thing that in certain ways is even additive to the original show. So in the original like Kaya and in the original um in the original arc with Kaya and um and, and Koro the and the black cat pirates uh, Kaya and Usopp's relationship is just kind of like weirdly a friendship and if you don't know what I mean by that or it's been long enough where you're like what the hell um they are friends in the way that nobody is friends (laughs) they are friends in the way that most people are just a couple by the end of that thing and this show recognized that it's like no like we're not we're not letting this thing be as slightly weird as it is at all. We're just gonna have a kiss. We're gonna have a kiss in the show. And that feels fine because it doesn't portray it doesn't betray the original intent of the show. Of, of the property. Like it's very clear when you see when when you see the episode, which is a great episode, um, where um, Luffy's announced the world and he gets his first bounty, you see Kaya react to Usopp being in the poster. And, like, she, like, pests the picture. And, like, that to me is not like, oh, friend. That is like, oh, I can't wait till he comes home and I can be with him once more and this show is just like no we're gonna make that hard fact going forward it's like this is a romantic coupling situation full stop and but also they managed to pull they managed to keep the like platonic relationships platonic like Zoro and Nami do not seem like they want to bang. Same thing with Nami and any of the other crew members. They're all, like, friends. It's not... There's no tension there, at least right now. And that's very true to the show. And one of the things that the show, like... One of the things that the... That One Piece gets really right is that... While romantic feelings can be a one-sided thing, they are 
like when they're reciprocated when like a romance is when that tension matters otherwise that tension and that devotion is comparable to friendship it's not like Nam, both Nami and Robin love Luffy to death they would probably do just about anything for him in the show. And he, do- he does a shit ton for both of them. But it's like a... It's a more important love than the romantic kind. It's the kind of love where you don't want to be... Where you don't want... Where... You want to know the person for the rest of your life. And lots of people say that that, that like that form, that that's romantic love. But all, awful lot of people say like, oh, but if, that, if my partner cheats on me, I fucking leave. They're dead to me. And what people forget about what, uh, there's a great there's a great phrase that goes a great saying that goes love is just friendship on fire and what that basically says is like love and friendship are the same thing there's a tightened version of it but there's no rule that says once a friendship gets intense enough it needs to be it needs to convert over into romantic love one of my best one of my best friends on earth who I have a card from that says in the most insane thing ever um please keep being a good friend of mine until one of us dies laugh out loud is a card that Kie sent me. And I feel the same way. I will know, we will know each other until one or both of us is in the ground. No doubt. If I... When I go to Japan in December, I... Like, the only reason that she is not stop one is because she will be on vacation with her boyfriend and then she is going to see her parents for a little bit and then... Immediately after that, we we hang out for a period of time because that was always going to happen. If I came at a different point in the year, she would take time off. I would do the same for her. And it's not... People who don't have these relationships with the opposite sex don't, don't, don't seem to get it until they do. But, like, it's like having a brother or sister that you, that you actually like. It's like having a family member. It's, you love them, but, like, you love them, and you're, in a way, in love with them. But you, but that's a separate thing. Like, you don't sleep with them because they're too important, if that makes any sense. If you both made googly eyes at each other and, like, you broke down and you're like, oh, we've been doing this wrong, we should just fuck, then that would be a conversation you had and then you would do, that would happen. And that happens oftentimes. But the thing about those kinds, about that kind of friendship and the kind of friendship and camaraderie that's demonstrated in One Piece is that the difference between purely romantic love that goes away and friendship that could convert but choose not to is when they do convert, if that goes bad, they just convert to being fr- back to being friendship. Like, the, like everybody in, involved is like, oh, I love you, but this is complicated and weird. And then, like... A part of it falls away, and the friendship is still there. And, and that was never a worry to begin with, that the friendship wouldn't be there. It's like, 
and that's the thing that this show also gets really right. And I think that's the reason this show is like, no. Kaya, Kaya and Usopp's relationship is clearly romantic. Luffy and Nami's relationship is one of adoration and value, but it's not romantic because it doesn't have to be. Not every relationship in this show has to be like, let's bang. But, and they also, the, thankfully, they seem to have, they, they didn't do away with Sanji's, like, womanizing grossness, but they toned it down to a point where he's just kind of, like, rude to dudes and polite to women, not necessarily, like, trying to molest them <laughs> actively. Um, but on that note, I have gushed about this show enough, I think. Once again, if you are listening to this and you were concerned about me talking about struck work, I understand that. Um, I just thought it was important that this was important and significant enough to talk about in its time and not wait for the strike to catch up because and I this is how I thought about it. Museums are pieces of shit. And what I mean by that is museums are pieces of shit because they collect, most times steal, especially in the case of most Western museums, they collect, most times steal, things of cultural importance, and then they make a profit off the backs of them because in order to see those things of cultural importance, you have to pay them. And this is true of most of, of a lot of museums. Not all museums, but a lot of them. And it's even more true now because it used to be that a museum like the Met would pay what you want. You got a quarter, give them a quarter and get in. Now the Met is 25 bucks. That sucks. But we still talk about the art that's in the Met. And it takes tons of money to produce things like One Piece like the One Piece live action, or even the One Piece anime. But even though they were produced by flawed systems, they still deserve to be talked about because the people who made, because the people who make this stuff who are currently fighting for the right to be able to make it fair in a fair and equitable environment, which I totally support and understand, Deserves the praise for them. You know, the the executive producer who never walks on set doesn't super deserve the praise all the time, especially at a company like Netflix. But, you know, Inukai Gaudi, the... or Gaudi, the um, actor who plays Luffy, deserves the praise for being... for bringing that character into live action, doing it really well. You know, um, Jacob Romero deserves the praise for doing a really good job at playing Usopp. You know, Alan Scott, Aiden Scott, kind of nailed fucking Helmeppo. Same thing with Morgan Davis, the character who plays Kobe, the actor who plays Kobe. Or Emily Rudd does a really good job with Nami. They deserve the praise for their work. And they should ideally get it when their work comes out. So I thought that, you know, where I came down on this was I wanted to talk about this show in support of the art of the thing and not the system that... that... Honestly, does a whole lot to make it so it's way too hard to make something like this. As evidence, like some, as evidence of something like um, Cowboy Bebop, and so this is the last anecdote. I talked about this at some point, I'm sure, but Hollywood learns a lot of wrong lessons from everything. And one of the wrongest lessons they learned was around the, the um, phenomenon of the Barbieheimer thing, meaning going, like, spending seven hours of your life and going to see 
both Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer and Barbie in one, in basically in one long sitting. And like Paramount announced um, that the new Saw movie and the new um, what's it called Puppy, um, like like um, Paw Patrol movie was coming out, and they called it Saw Patrol. That's that's not gonna work. There are a lot of very specific reasons why things work and don't work. And in this, I, I have a feeling that in between this and the dumpster fire that the live-action Cowboy Bebop was, was a lot of people saying, this is how you fucked up. Don't do this to this. And it will come out better. And they did that enough and with enough conviction that people back down. People, because at the end of the, at the end of the day, the way you get from the Cowboy Bebop live action to this is every time uh, an executive tries to put their thumb on the scale somebody from the creative side is like, do you want another live-action cowboy Bebop? Because this is how you get it. Back off, bud. And they do it so convincingly that the executive pulls his hand back and the creative person is allowed to make the thing better in the way they want it, in the way that will actually make the thing better and not appease some financier guy who had no idea what he's doing. Because that's what... That's what you kind of feel with Cowboy Bebop. Like, you feel this... And that's what you really felt with... The, um, live-action, um... With the live-action, um, Ghost in a Shell. And... Everybody has a huge problem with the live-action Ghost in a Shell because they cast Scarlett Johansson as the major, and everybody was like, oh, you fucked up, you should have capped, um, Rinko, Rinko Kikuchi, I think her name is, from, um, the, uh, the, um, giant robot fighting kaiju, um, Pacific Rim series. But what I recognize, and what lots of people what, running up to that movie's release recognized was Scarlett Johansson would put butts in seats. That was one thing. But also Scarlett Johansson had the backlog of movies that could add up to a ca- backlog of parts that could add up potentially to be a character like Matoko. And she did her best. But what did it look like when somebody just makes the best version of that film they possibly could? Doesn't worry about what um, what's at stake there. Doesn't worry about the fact that this, that, the other thing is a that that like you have to put a bankable star in the in the main character role. What if they made the single best version of a Ghost in the Shell live action thing they possibly could? What would that look like? What, what would... How, what rewards would they reap? And I think that the live-action One Piece is a proof that, like, if you just make the best fucking thing you can figure out how you can manage, then the thing you want to happen will ultimately happen, especially if it's got a pre-existing fan base, and especially if it's got people looking for it. Because... And, the, and Ghost in the Shell is similar in this respect, too. The original Ghost in the Shell movie from, 1990, from 1989 is a staple of cinema. It is a, like, it is a touch point for what cyberpunk is. It's a huge deal. On the same, on the same level as Akira is. People know that movie. People know that property because of it. And in anime, it is a kind of tentpole, you know, prestige um, 
thing that that when people step in to make a new Ghost in the Shell thing, it's a big fucking deal. They could have said, throw caution to the wind, cast the people who they knew would do the best work, you know, hired the people who knew who they knew would do the best work, and made a thing that was a jewel. And they didn't because they were so concerned about it having to go wide enough that they made a comp they made a camel basically. What and that's really what it felt like was done what that wasn't what it felt like with done went wrong with the um live action cowboy bebop. It's uh, that's a little bit there, but mostly they just dropped and or missed the ball entirely on the live action cowboy bebop. But what they did right was they they cast Largely with the exception of Ed, although the styling of Ed could have been the reason that everybody wanted to stab their eyeballs out there at, at the at the end there, was um, they they cast they by and large cast the right people in the wor- in the role. The person they casted Jet was perfect. It was like ev- everybody like. <laughs> Every anime fan in the universe, like, turned to their left and high-fived each other in unison. We're like, we did it. We did a good thing. We nailed it to the wall. Good job, team. Um, but this is, like, this is that plus actually a good show is produced. Because my gut feeling with this show is that there weren't so... There weren't so many cooks in the kitchen who didn't know how to cook. If that makes any sense. On that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every um, every third day currently. But um, they cover they always cover things like this. It's like um, I did. It's, it's sometimes it's a video game or a live action show, but more often than not, it's a actual anime. But definitely look out for it in your feed. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give it a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice because that really helps the podcast get, you know, shared around to other people. And, hey, share the show with your friends if you really love it. Um, But until next time, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk to you later.